Uh, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy, uh, your kindness, your grace toward us. Lord, I thank you tonight that there really is victory in Jesus. It's not just something we sing. It's something that we sing because it is true. Lord, thank you that there's victory over sin, victory over power, uh, power of sin, uh, victory over the grave. Uh, Lord, victory in Jesus. Father, thank you so very much. Lord, I thank you for uh, working in our midst as you have been. I pray that you'll work here tonight. We, of course, pray that you are uh, working in hearts even now uh, amongst those who will be here on Friday. Uh, Lord, we are praying for you to do a great work here on Friday. And Father, I know tonight that uh, nothing will be accomplished without you uh, working here. Lord, we know that your will is that people would hear the gospel and repent and be saved. And Father, I pray that you would work in hearts, work in hearts. Lord, we pray that you'll work here tonight. Uh, we need that here tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to uh, draw close to you, uh, to bow our hearts before you and bow our ears to your words tonight. Lord, that uh, we would see uh, the things that you'd have us to see. Lord, again tonight, we're reminded that uh, Lamentations uh, is a book that we, we might lament at, we, we might uh, sorrow at, certainly we should sorrow at sin, but Lord, I do thank you tonight that uh, this is a book that does uh, point so wonderfully clearly uh, to the need for Christ, to the fact that there is victory in him. Father, as we see here tonight, uh, Lamentations 3, I pray that that would be our constant thought, uh, what great consequence for such great sin. What a great savior who could conquer the consequences of sin. Lord, thank you uh, for a savior who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your words, and I pray, Lord, that uh, you'll work tonight in each of our hearts. Use me, help me. Uh, I definitely need that, Lord, and I trust you for it, and thank you for it. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name, amen. Lamentations 3 tonight, uh, Mike, it's the longest um, chapter in, in the book. Uh, it's three times as long as, as the other chapters, and I was tempted, as you might guess, to try to get through it tonight. I don't think we'll do that. I think we'll maybe try to get through about half or so. Brother Ray, we'll see where we get. Uh, but you remember um, the thing that's different about chapter 3 is that uh, in this um, uh, acrostic structure that we've talked about where each verse begins with the next consonant in the Hebrew alphabet, uh, in Lamentations 3, uh, it's interesting, it's 3, uh, there's a triplet of each letter. So there's three verses that begin with the Hebrew Aleph, uh, three that begin with Bet, three that begin with the Dolph and Gimel and Hay, and all the way through uh, the alphabet as if it were English A to Z. So a triplet. Mike, again, the purpose, God has his purposes, might be intended to aid memorization, uh, poetically probably intended to communicate the breadth uh, with the Lord is covering this topic and the breadth of the consequence, the breadth and the depth uh, of the consequence of, of the sin of Judah. Now, this is, this is a tough book, uh, and this is a tough chapter, 
Um, but uh, I'll point out to you, and in fact, let's, let's do this real fast. Uh, the, the word hope uh, appears maybe surprisingly three places in the book. Look at uh, the chapter, I should say. Look at verse 18. Uh, Jeremiah's writing, and initially uh, writing uh, of one who is hopeless, he said, my strength, he says, uh, he writes, I said, my strength and my hope uh, is perished from the Lord. Uh, and so there's a moment in the midst of the great trial of the captivity in which there is hopelessness. Mike, that's a feeling, it's not a reality. Uh, for believers, we might feel hopeless, but it's a false feeling because we are people of a great and true and certain hope uh, in Christ. And so you, you could feel hopeless, sure enough, that's, that's a feeling, feelings will uh, lie to us. Thankfully, there are several, several more instances of, of the word hope in the chapter, and it seems to be the case that Jeremiah is looking ahead to all that God is accomplishing uh, in this great trial of, of the captivity uh, in anticipating the mercy of God. And, you know, if you're, Brother Ray, if you're anticipating God will be merciful towards you, well, there's hope in that. You're, you're literally hoping in God's mercy. We know we have a merciful God. Uh, and so in verse, uh, I didn't underline them in my Bible, in verse 21, uh, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have I hope, he's hoping in the, in the Lord working. Uh, verse 24, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Uh, the Lord is my portion, saith my whole being, therefore uh, I choose to hope in him. That's said by a man who's there in the midst of all of the trial uh, of, of the consequence of sin that is the captivity. And so, listen, you can be in the midst of a great trial. Uh, Brother Art, you, you can be suffering in the midst of a great trial, but not suffering without hope. You, you, you can be suffering with the certain hope that we have a merciful God, that his grace is sufficient, and that he is accomplishing some good thing or perhaps many good things uh, in the suffering that, that he's permitting. So we have to kind of unlearn, unlearn what the world messages the world teaches us. Oh, you're suffering or that person's suffering. Boy, that's, that's just a dire, hopeless situation. No, not for us. Uh, we know the Lord works in suffering to accomplish good purposes. We know he's merciful God. We know he's promised that his grace is sufficient no matter what. Uh, we know that no matter what we're going through, he's promised never leave us nor, nor forsake us. Uh, we know that he's a God who, who works uh, in manifold temptations, manifold trials to grow us. Uh, and so not only can we hope, but there, there is hope. And so we can uh, and should have a great hope. In verse 26, uh, verse 26, uh, Jeremiah writes, it's good that a man should both hope uh, and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. What a simple verse, but what, what a great and important verse. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation or, or rescue of the Lord. Yeah, it's good. So do that. Uh, choose uh, choose to be hopeful, knowing that the Lord is working in that trial. Hope and wait for his rescue. And then verse 30, uh, I believe is the last instance of, of the word hope in this chapter. Uh, he giveth his cheek to him that smiteth him. He is filled full 
That's not the right verse. Maybe I have that wrong. Um, I guess oh, verse 26. Well, there's another instance of hope here somewhere. I have it wrong in my notes. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll come upon it along the way, Brother Art. Uh, so it's, it's a book. Uh, it's a chapter filled with lamentation, lamenting of great trials and great difficulties, but uh, not without hope. Uh, not without hope. Jeremiah sees that. Uh, God is actively at work uh, bringing this difficult trial upon the people. Remember, that was one of the themes we saw in the last chapter, a little bit in the first chapter, uh, kind of crescendoed that theme in, in the second chapter. The Lord is doing this. The Lord is doing this. The Lord is doing this, accomplishing his purposes. In the end, he's merciful. And so there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Uh, Zach, what do you do when you feel hopeless? What should you do when you feel hopeless? What is it? Cry out to the Lord. First of all, say self, that's a lie. <laughs> Feelings, that's a lie. Uh, there is hope, and it's a certain hope. And yeah, sure enough, I'm going to cry out to the Lord and uh, do whatever business I need to accomplish with him uh, and, and choose to not lose sight um, of that hope. Um, just a couple more thoughts for you, things to be on the lookout here. Um, it's, it is a longer chapter. Uh, 22 times 3 would be 66, so sure enough, there are 66 verses. The word Lord shows up 15 times. He's, he's all over this. He's at the center of the equation here as well he should be. Not only the word Lord, but he and his 35 times. Uh, most, of, most, if not all of them, are pretty clearly references to the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah is uh, speaking here um, um, I think what he's doing is, is uh, poetically uh, portraying a ma uh, Judah as a man, an individual man who is greatly afflicted. So uh, we've seen Judah portrayed as a mourning widow. Uh, we've seen Judah portrayed as a weeping daughter in chapter 2. Uh, tonight, here in chapter 3, Judah's portrayed as an afflicted man, a, an individual who is suffering greatly. Mike Jeremiah writes in the first person. He's writing uh, as if he's saying these things himself, and, and he might be. Uh, he might be speaking what he personally is, is um, uh, experiencing. I think it's more the idea that he's portraying uh, Judah as a man who is afflicted. And so uh, you see um, we've had uh, Judah portrayed as a woman twice, uh, and now as a man. Zach, why, why might the Lord portray Judah as a, both a woman and a man who are greatly afflicted? Both were. <laughs> both, yeah, I mean, this, there again, it goes to the breadth uh, of the suffering as a result of sin. It's, it didn't affect one person or, or one gender. Uh, it, it's, it's all of Judah, uh, the young people, the old people, the men, the women. It, it's, it's all of them. It's, it's all of them. And so uh, here in this chapter, Judah uh, suffering as an afflicted man. Uh, it's very interesting um, that um, he writes uh, um, regarding uh, a woman or a daughter uh, or a man um, representing the, the entire um, nation or, or all of, of Judah. Uh, that's poetic, but it's, uh, again, the Lord is always purposeful as he writes. So it's, uh, why, why might he write as, as one person? Mike, I, I think the idea would be that 
um, the Lord wants us to understand the effect of the sin on each individual. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a plural thing, but it, it, at the end of the day, where the rubber hits the road, it's every individual is experiencing the consequence of the sin uh, that they have perpetrated as a nation. But, you know, nations don't sin. Individuals who make up nations sin. And so he's portraying the nation as an individual and speaking of the consequences that individuals uh, suffer. I'll pray one more time. We're going to jump in here. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for uh, this book and for um, uh, just the amazing, incredible uh, language of these chapters, uh, reminding us uh, again of the consequence of sin and pointing to the hope, uh, even as we experience consequences, uh, there is a wonderful hope available to your people that is Christ, and it's a certain hope. He's the answer to the sin. Uh, he's the answer to the trials. He's the answer to uh, feeling hopeless. And Father, thank you tonight that Christ is the answer uh, to all of these things and um, the source of our hope. Lord, I pray tonight that you help us to remember that we are always, we are always uh, a people who have a great hope, regardless of, of how we feel. Father, help us now to see these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah, uh, here in Lamentations 3, uh, verse 1 now, he writes, I am the man that hath seen affliction uh, by the rod of his wrath. Now, it's possible that Jeremiah is writing of his own personal experience. Brother Art, I don't think he was a man that really needed to be corrected. Uh, you know, um, um, Job didn't need to be corrected, but he suffered greatly. Um, there's, there's a reminder, if this is Jeremiah literally writing of, of his own personal experience, Zach, even though he was a man who was righteous and was being used of the Lord, is there, is there a reminder there for us? Uh, everybody's sinning, and well, most, many people are sinning, uh, but everybody is experiencing the consequences of that sin, even the people that really weren't that guilty. Is there, is there a, a, a principle or thought that we ought to remember in that observation? Yeah, yeah. If, if you drop a drop of sin into a bucket of water, it's, it's going to ripple across. It's, it's, it's going to affect the whole bucket. Um, and so, yeah, we do well to keep that in mind. Uh, you, you can't sin a private sin and think that that's not going to somehow ultimately affect the people around you. Somehow, some way, it, it does. And uh, if, if, in fact, this is Jeremiah literally writing of his personal experience and not only portraying Judah as an afflicted man, Boy, that, that comes through clearly here. Don't, don't lose sight of that tonight. Uh, I am the man that hath seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. His, of, of course, is the Lord. He uh, hath led me. So th there's the Lord. He uh, hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. Surely uh, against me uh, is he turned. Uh, he turneth his hand against me um, all the day. So he, he feels as if or... Uh, he's portraying uh, uh, the, the, the Judah as, as an individual who uh, feels afflicted from beginning to end, who feels that he's been led into a place of darkness where there's no light at all. 
Uh, he feels as if the Lord is turned against him, not just for a moment, but all the day. And so, uh, again, the, the depth and, and the breadth of the consequence of, of sin. And uh, if, if this is Jeremiah describing his experience, it's the effect of the sin of others uh, on those who are living relatively righteous lives. But uh, the, the, the depth and, and breadth of the consequence of sin uh, literally here in the captivity, but, but the principle uh, being drawn out of this. Uh, sin has great consequences. We know that. We've seen that uh, over and over and over again. He continues picturing Judah as a suffering man. He says, my flesh and my skin uh, hath he made old. He hath broken uh, my bones. He's broken my bones. Uh, he hath builded uh, against me, encompassed me with gall, uh, and travail. What's gall? G-A-L-L. -L. What, what is that? Um, it's also translated hemlock or poison or venom. Mike, none of that's good, right? Hemlock or poison uh, or venom. Uh, it, it has the idea of, of poison, that, something that is poisonous. He feels like uh, he's been compassed about with, with nothing but, but bad, nothing good, uh, only he, he's been dropped into a bucket of poison, uh, if you will. Uh, verse 6, he has set me in dark places. Again, uh, back in verse 2, he's brought me into darkness, not into light. Re reiterates that idea. He has set me in dark places as they that be dead of, of old, like someone that's been placed into a tomb, uh, and, and the rock has been rolled in, in front of the tomb, uh, a, a dark place, uh, a dark place. Zach, help me out. Uh, darkness pictures what? What do you think of when you picture darkness? Sin, separation, um, you know, not, not fear. Yeah, you never liked dark when you were a kid. You probably still don't, right? Anybody here love the dark? Uh, Brother Ray, of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, I could say more, uh, but of course you do. Um, think of, think of uh, the darkest place that you've ever been. Samantha, you've probably been in the cavern. How, how cavern? You've never been down there. You must have had opportunity. Right? You, you refused to, didn't you? If you ever do go down uh, in the cavern, Brother Ray, you, you grew up not too far from there also, right? You, you go down, you take the elevator down, you get down there, and you're thankful for the lights that are down there. Uh, and then they turn them out. And it is the complete and total absence of light. It's dark as dark could possibly be. And there's just no way. I mean, all you could do is, is, is feel. And Zach, it's scary, right? It's, it's scary, right? So there's an anxiety. There's a fearfulness to that. There's a stumbling around, not being able. It's disorienting. You kind of lose, you sort of lose track of what's up and what's down and what's right and what's left. It's, it's, just, it's all of that. And so um, darkness, of course, is a, uh, biblically pictures sin as well, light picturing righteousness. Um, it, it's all of that. And so uh, the Lord has Jeremiah to, to use this illustration or, or metaphor of darkness, uh, a consequence, a consequence of sin. Uh, the man, uh, Jeremiah, or, or the one of whom he writes, feels uh, trapped and imprisoned. Verse 7, he hath hedged me about uh, that I cannot get out. Uh, he hath made my chain heavy. 
uh, a prisoner that just cannot escape uh, the place that he's in. Also, uh, when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. Picture someone in a jail cell who might be crying out and just can't be heard. Mike, they're, they're shut away so far away, so, so far away from anyone that might hear. They just can't be heard uh, no matter how loudly they shout. Uh, this is how he feels. This is how the nation feels. Uh, he hath, in verse 9, he hath enclosed my ways with hewn stone. Uh, he's built up a stone wall around me that I might not escape. Uh, he hath made my paths uh, crooked, not straight. And so, uh, Brother Art, there, there really is a sense in which the people were carried off as prisoners, literally prisoners, uh, some in chains, it would seem, literally. They were led away in captivity, literally, uh, to Babylon as prisoners, not permitted to return back home uh, for 70 years. But sure enough, they, they were prisoners there. And uh, sure enough, this is how they, they might have felt, uh, chained down behind walls. Uh, and no matter what they did, they could not escape. No matter what they said, there, there was no escape. This is how they felt. Uh, this is how they felt as the Lord uh, began to chasten them for their sin. By the way, any of this sound good? Uh, Zach, how might they have avoided this? Repent, get right, yeah. Uh, years ago, year, years earlier, just repent, get right. You don't want uh, to experience this depth and breadth of consequence uh, of sin. Verses 10 down through 15, it feels like the Lord uh, has treated him or, or this man of whom he writes uh, feels as if, Mike, the Lord has treated him as an enemy. This is, this is how it feels. Now, of course, the Lord is not our enemy, but when his chastening hand is upon you, it might naturally feel uh, that way. He writes in verse 10, uh, he, he, the Lord, was unto me as a bear uh, lying in wait. Zach, a bear that was kind of hidden around the corner behind the bush waiting to pounce out as, as, as you came by. That's, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and as a lion in secret places, uh, there's a danger. Uh, there's a danger in um, correction. Uh, there, there, there's a danger in this. He hath turned aside my ways and pulled me in pieces like a bear or a lion might do. He hath made me desolate. He hath bent his bow. Uh, so now the, the metaphor changes from a wild animal to a hunter or to a soldier uh, bending his bow uh, and set me as a mark for uh, the arrow, made me a target. He feels uh, as if he's a target. He hath caused the arrows of his quiver to enter into my reins. Not only did he draw his arrow toward me, but he struck me with his arrow. He's filled me with bitterness, with gall. Uh, he hath made me drunken uh, with wormwood. Uh, that's an interesting word, by the way, and it's, we'll stop and consider that word for, for a moment. Um, it's the only place um, in the Old Testament where the underlying word appears. Um, the word wormwood only appears here. The underlying word only appears here. So that's an interesting word. Uh, Brother Art, all, I always find it interesting when a word is only used once or, or twice. You know, the, the Holy Spirit has the entire Hebrew language at, at his disposal when the, these poems were being written. Um, it's just interesting when a word comes into scripture but it's not used anywhere else or it's only used once or twice. And so 
for me, I always feel like the Lord is kind of using that to highlight something, to underscore it. Uh, I see it as kind of bold and all caps and make a different color. It's, it's just, I think the Lord chooses words to use once or twice um, as a form of, of highlight. This word has um, the idea of uh, curse or poison. Uh, uh, forgive me, this word actually is used in, by Jeremiah. Jeremiah uses it two other places. Uh, there's another word we'll look at tonight that's not only used once, but Jeremiah is, is an author that uses this word a couple of times in the Old Testament. Has the idea of curse or, or poison. Uh, he, he is a writer who uses this word. He uses Jeremiah 9, uh, Jeremiah 23. Drunken with wormwood, curse, uh, a curse or a poison. Um, I want to, we'll get there maybe. Uh, if you go over to verse 45, uh, here is a genuine hotbox word that's used only once, uh, not just by Jeremiah, but literally only once uh, in Scripture. Verse 45, thou hast made us uh, as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people. What's refuse? Trash or garbage. That's that's how the people felt. They, they, they felt like they had been thrown away uh, by the Lord. Offscouring has the same idea. Uh, it literally would have some, well, if you look at it, offscouring, like scouring something off, uh, like you might scrub something off of something else, like dirt, Mike, that you might scrub off of something, has the idea of um, sweeping something away, something that's not useful, something that's useless, uh, scrubbing it off or sweeping it away, off-scouring. Off-scouring and refuse have, have the same idea. Uh, people felt like they had been um, swept away by the Lord. Uh, off-scouring um, probably has the idea of something that is useless. Uh, not useful and therefore being swept away or thrown out. Uh, Art, you think about that for a second. Um, the, the people of Judah, as they dug into their sin and refused to repent, uh, they became less and less useful to the Lord for the purposes that he intended, right? And, and so that word makes perfect sense, offscouring and refuse, verse 45. Um, they, they literally became less useful to the Lord as their hearts and their lives began to fill up with sin, of idolatry, and so many other things. Uh, naturally, they, they were less useful to the Lord. Brother Ray, I think we, of course, do well to bear in mind that that, that same truth applies to us. If, if we allow sin to pile up in our hearts and to pile up in our lives and you know, to gather up all around us, you, you, you can't get to where the Lord would have you to be, right? Mike, you start tripping over your sin. You're, you're less useful uh, to the Lord when, when our lives, our hearts are filled with sin. Um, there's the risk, of course, biblically of, of being set aside, of being shelved. Not, not that we can lose our salvation, but we can sin to a point, persist in sin to a point where we're simply not usable, and so the Lord puts us on the shelf uh, and says, you know what, you tr you've made your choice, you've chose not to be useful, uh, and so I will not use you. I believe that that is a biblical risk that we could, we could make a really strong case for that. 
Uh, and so here's, here's an observation that points to a New Testament principle that, boy, we, we need to keep in mind. Uh, Zach, if a, if a man's got sin in his life for a time and he's just not dealt with that, but the Lord is still allowing him to serve and, and be useful, which of God's attributes does that point to? Grace and mercy, yeah, yeah, uh, amen. Well, come back. Um, verse 16, Jeremiah writes, he's broken my teeth with gravel stones. He's covered me with ashes. Thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. If you've been removed far off from peace, you're probably experiencing anxiety. Uh, and, and I forgot, I forget prosperity. Sure, they were, they were dragged away with nothing but the clothes on their backs, no doubt. Uh, whatever uh, prosperity they had, no doubt, was taken by the Babylonians as part of this great trial of correction that, that the captivity is. Uh, and so Jeremiah is, is picturing, it would seem, Judah as this man, this individual who is experiencing all of these things. Uh, is Jeremiah personally experiencing some of these things? No doubt he is. Brother Ray, no doubt that's a reminder to us when we sin, others are affected. It's not just me, it's not just my walk with the Lord, others are affected. So it's, it's profoundly unloving to sin uh, against the Lord, that's who we sin against, because uh, unloving toward him, but it's unloving to each other as well for that reason. Uh, here's verse 18, uh, this man um, in the midst of the depth and breadth of difficulty that he's experiencing, difficulty of correction, feels hopeless, uh, at least for a moment, at least for a time. Verse 18, I said, my strength and my hope is perished uh, from the Lord. It's, it's just not, it's gone. It, it's perished from the Lord. And then verse 19, remembering mine affliction and my misery, uh, the wormwood, there's that word again, and, and the gall. Uh, my, my affliction, my misery, uh, the poison of this all. It's just no, nothing feels good. Uh, art is any of this good. It obviously doesn't feel good. It all feels poisonous and bad. Uh, but is it actually that? No, it's not. Uh, this is the Lord correcting his people, Brother Ray, with the intensity of correction that he alone knew that they needed. Uh, it felt like all of this. It felt like there was nothing but bad. It felt hopeless, but again, that's not the case. Gary, when we feel hopeless, when we're in the midst of a trial, we, Lord help us, right? You, Lord, search my heart. Show me if there's something I, I need to confess. Uh, God, help me not to feel hopeless. Help me remember there's great hope in you. Uh, I can find strength in you to confess sin and get right with you. I can count on your mercy. I can count on your grace. No matter what, I know I'm saved. Uh, and, and I can look to you for all that I need to put off sin and to put on righteousness, obedience in its place. But it feels hopeless, he feels hopeless in, in verse 18. Uh, and then verse 20 and 21. Uh, verse 20 and 21 uh, seem to jump ahead, at least for a moment, on a timeline. At least a little bit ahead. Uh, it seems like, uh, at least for a moment, he's looking back on what has been experienced. So it's not real time. I'm in the heat of uh, the trial, the heat of the difficulty. 
But it seems like for a moment he's reflecting back. Now, the whole thing would be a, a, a remembrance, but now it sounds like that. It's, he's reflecting back. In verse 20, he says, My soul hath them still in remembrance uh, all that we struggled, all that we experienced, all of the difficulty of the trial of captivity. My soul hath them in remembrance. Not forgotten any of that. And is what? What does it say? What's the H word? Verse 20. Humbled. Yeah, Mike, sometimes we pridefully refuse to get right with the Lord. And so he lovingly sends in the trial to get our attention, to set us back on the right course, uh, desiring that we would humbly say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I get it. I have dug in and refused to get right, but I, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's humbling. Um, we used to say somewhat jokingly, don't, don't pray that God would humble you, right? Uh, it is a good prayer. It is a good prayer. But you have to be prepared for the Lord to answer that prayer. Sometimes, Brother Mike, that, that can be very difficult to experience. We're struggling with pride. It's good to pray, Lord, humble me. But the way by which he humbles us can be very difficult. Jeremiah is reflecting back on all that they've experienced and remembering it and saying, yeah, you know, it, it humbled him. They were humbled in, in the midst of it, in, in the midst of it, but reflecting back and remembering could humble us in, in the present also. Um, to that point, maybe you can think back on a trial where God humbled you. You'd, you'd strayed from him, but the Lord humbled you. And um, maybe the Lord brings that to remembrance because there's a problem again. <laughs> and he's, he's tapping you on the heart and the Holy Spirit's poking and prodding and saying, hey, we don't want to go there again. Uh, remember how we got humble last time. Let's, let's just get right this time. Um, thinking back upon how the Lord has humbled us in the past can be uh, a great encouragement to get right in the present. And I think that's the principle you see there uh, in verse 20. Verse 21, he continues, he says, This uh, I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Um, as he thinks back on how the Lord has worked to humble him, the people, Judah, um, there's, there's a great hope. We have a God who loves us enough to correct us. Uh, we have a God who loves us enough to pick us up and spank us really hard. Uh, and Brother Ray to spank us again and again if, if need be. By the way, spanking is one of the things that's missing in the world today. Uh, kids need to be spanked. That's a biblical principle. And, you know, look around at so much of the silliness and ridiculous behavior see in the world today. Gary, you just can't escape the thought, there's a kid who just needed to be spanked. You know, it's, if, if there's not biblical parenting, there's gonna be unbiblical adults. That's, that's just a reality. Uh, Mike, I'm thankful that I got spanked as a kid. Zach got spanked at anger more than he should have, but he sure got spanked. Uh, it, it, it should have been less angry and, and more loving, I'm sorry. Um, but, but sure enough, spanking, biblical spanking is a good thing. Lord's correction is a good thing. Uh, and, and you can hope because you have a God who loves you enough to correct you and is 
uh, ultimately merciful. Um, Job, here's a, a cross-reference, Job back in Job 13, verse 15. He said, though he, the Lord, slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Though he, even if he slays me, I, I will trust him. Uh, I know he's accomplishing what he desires to accomplish. He has uh, his purposes. Brother Ray, sometimes you just have to choose to say that, to think that, to live that, right? Uh, Lord, I, I, I don't, Job wasn't suffering because of his sin. He, he probably didn't know, uh, at least initially, why he was experiencing the trial that he did. But he knew that the Lord had a purpose, even, even if he couldn't see it. Uh, and so he chose to trust in the Lord. He's, Though he slay me, uh, yet will I trust in him. He's that yielded, that submitted, that given over to the Lord. God, however you choose to use my life, even if you choose uh, to accomplish some good by slaying me, I'm not going to stop trusting you. That's a pretty mature attitude. Amen? That's a pretty mature attitude. God, give us that kind of maturity. Lord, grow us. Well, sometimes it takes the trials to grow uh, to that point. Uh, verse 22, 23, famous verses, uh, very famous verses. Uh, he goes on in verse 22. He says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Uh, yeah, people in the midst of, of the captivity probably knew that really well. They know how sinful they had been. They know how dug in they had been. Um, they're maybe kind of looking back now and saying, you know, we were really wicked. We just refused to get right. There was all this idolatry and, and terrible stuff. And, uh, you know, if I was the Lord, I probably would have just slayed us all, all of us. But he didn't. They recognized in that, that they had a merciful God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Um, by the way, is that true for each one of us, even right now? Right now, in this moment, yeah? Even right now. That was true in Jeremiah's day. Um, I rather suspect that, Mike, that, that applies to us as much as any verse in Scripture does. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. We are sinners, uh, yes, saved by grace, but, but we are sinners. Um, what is it that, okay, so God is merciful. That's what's being highlighted there. He, he's merciful. But Zach, what else is there that allows us to experience that mercy such that he does not consume us? What? Yeah, our salvation. <laughs> Yeah, the shedding of the blood of Christ that covers our sin and the fact that he sees us uh, through the, that lens, the righteousness of Christ, which has been imputed uh, to our account. He's a merciful God for sure, but we live on this side of, of the cross and praise God, praise God. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. He is merciful. He is compassionate. Mike, his mercy and compassion is not being used up like a battery that drains out over time. Uh, it fails not. It does not run out. God is all that God has ever been in this moment. 
his attributes are as, as powerful and full and complete today as they ever were, uh, and they'll never change. Uh, Brother Art, God is not, um, he's not wearing out. His attributes are not being used up over time. Uh, is creation, has creation changed over time? Uh, has the creation worn down and worn out over time? Yes, it has. That's, that's, a, that's a law of physics. But Brother Ray, the creator does not wear out or wear down over time. Uh, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Well, praise God. Uh, we meet the Lord every morning uh, just as merciful and compassionate as he was the day before, as he always has been, as he always will be. Uh, and here, of course, is, is this great phrase, great is thy faithfulness. Why is that phrase there? Uh, why, why does it show up right there? What's, what, what, why does it fit uh, in context? Guys, any thoughts? Why does that fit in context? You have a thought? He's faithful to remain merciful. He's faithful to, com to remain compassionate. Uh, he, he's faithful to be the same God today as he was yesterday, today, tomorrow, and will be, right? He, he's, he is faithful. That is, his faithfulness toward us is great. It's perfect. Uh, it's, it's that great. It's, it's perfect. His mercy, uh, his compassions are great. They're, his faithfulness to exercise his attributes to us, uh, it's great. Mike, it's perfect. Um, Brother Art, it's hard for us to imagine that could be true. We, we know that um, we're made in the image of God. We know that we, the fruit of the Spirit are present in us because of the Spirit of God, but we don't exercise um, those things as faithfully as we should. Uh, I got upset this week at some folks that were working here um, on the property. I, I wasn't as gracious as I could have been, Brother Art. <laughs> I owe them an apology still. Um, but the Lord doesn't owe anyone an apology because he is all that he is all the time without fail. He is perfectly faithful to be who he is toward his people all the time, no matter what, day after day. Now, does that factor into our hope? Yeah, that factors into our hope. He doesn't change. And if he doesn't change, we can place our hope in a God who is faithful, a God who keeps his promises, a God who is merciful, a God who is compassionate. I'm going to read a couple cross-references and, and we'll stop. Um, Psalm 86, verse 15 uh, the psalmist says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, uh, and plenteous in mercy and truth. His mercy and compassion are combined together in many verses. They're two sides of the same coin in, in many ways. Other verses combine one or more of those attributes with his faithfulness, as, as we see here. Um, in Psalm 36 and verse 5, David writes, a prayer, thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Uh, that's, a, that's a picture of something that's big, right? His faithfulness reaches from the ground to the clouds. 
uh, that's a big distance. I guess it depends on the day, Brother Art, but that's, that's a picture of greatness. Then verse 24, we'll stop. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Lord, help us to be the most hopeful people because we are. Stop there and pray. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you, Lord, tonight for who you are. You're a merciful God. You're a compassionate God. You're a loving God. Lord, great is thy faithfulness. You are faithful to exercise your attributes toward your people without change. You don't have bad days like the pastor does. Lord, thank you. Father, I pray tonight that you just burn into our hearts that we are a people of great hope no matter what. Lord, when we feel hopeless, remind us that's a falsehood. Feelings are sometimes dishonest. The truth is we are a people of a great and certain hope Not because of us, Lord, but because of you. Lord, in the midst of all of the consequences of sin that was the captivity, in the midst of all of the sorrow and affliction and bitterness and miseries and sighs and destruction, Lord, in the midst of your anger at sin and wrath, there was hope. And it's because of you loving your people enough to correct them with exactly the correction they needed. Father, when trials come, help us to be glad. Help us to be hopeful, knowing that you have great purposes. Give you a moment to pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Not worthy of you, but we're glad for you. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. We don't deserve it. Teach us to be thankful for it. Lord, teach us to be hopeful because we are a people of a great and certain hope. It's because of our Savior, nothing else. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll stand if you're able to. Stretch your legs out. We'll turn to number 124. Number 124. uh, Kneel at the cross.
All right, please do stand with me as you, as you can. We turn to 124, kneel at the cross. Sparkly cup, trust only in his love. 